I was thinking of what, it is, what a privilege it is to be able to come together, right? And sometimes I think we take that for granted as believers, as followers of Christ, that we spend our week just glorifying God, being the light of Christ, making God's name known wherever that we go. But I think sometimes we take for granted when we gather what an honor and a privilege it is to be able to do that together, to encourage one another, to praise God um, together. I really get excited about that every week, and so I hope that you are as well. I'm glad that God created it that way as, as a body of believers. So this morning, um, we were continuing the series through uh, January on prayer, on prayer. And I don't know if you've been through a sermon series or really studied much about prayer, and this is really opening my eyes as well, and I pray that it is um, for, for you as well. Last week, we, we looked at prayer, and, and we looked at about meditating on prayer and, and praising God, and then we looked at um, confessing how we don't live our lives that way and then asking God to help us that way. And we, I used the acronym about Albert Pujols, and we're going to look at that in a little bit. I don't know if you remember that or if you were here uh, last week. So we're looking at prayer. I've titled this series for this month, We Have Not Because We Ask Not. Last week, we looked at the boldness of Jesus teaches us how to pray, and he talks about a friend who had gone to a house, and he knocked on the door, and he wouldn't quit knocking on the door until his friend got up and gave him what he wanted. So Jesus gave us an example of boldness, of prayer. We'll look at the will of God in prayer. We'll look at a persistent widow at some point about persistency in our prayers. We'll look at a Pharisee and a tax collector about humility when it comes to prayer. Um, But today, I specifically want to look, when it comes to prayer, about Jesus' heart, about Jesus' heart. And we're going to look at something called the high priestly prayer. We're going to break that down a little bit. So as we pray, we know what the heart of Christ is so that we can pray the same thing. I don't know of anyone here an NFL or football fan at all. No, we got a few, Doug, Seahawks. We're trying to convert Doug to the Chiefs, but trying to evangelize him. I don't know. It might take a little while. We're trying. We're trying. We're praying. We're praying for him. No pun intended. But in the NFL last week, I was watching this game against the Bengals and the Bills, and I really wanted the Bengals to win because then the Chiefs would get the number one seed going into the playoffs. That might be mumbo-jumbo to a lot of you. Um, but during this game, I, I got home a little bit late, and I turned on the game. I was really excited, and the game had been suspended because someone, a player uh, by the last name of Hamlin, uh, had gone down with a heart uh, issue, and his heart actually stopped beating on the field. And so they were giving him a CPR, a resuscitation, for a long time, and praise God he's doing okay now. He was in the hospital in ICU, and, and he's doing well. But the one thing that shocked me, and we have this picture, um, is all the players. They came together, both the Bills and the Bengals, and they prayed. They prayed for Hamlin. And a lot of things in the news and the way that, that we go about looking at things is that some of these things are taboo, right? Like you shouldn't pray in public or in a football field and a lot of things like that. And so it was really refreshing to me to see these players just on their own Decide to pray. Decide to put God first and to put the welfare of this other player 
And these guys spend a lot of time together, so they really care about this guy. To put the welfare of him above themselves. No matter if you're going to get ridiculed or no matter what somebody's going to say about you praying in public. Like, for that moment, they put, the, they put God and others ahead of themselves. So it was refreshing. But it was also in my mind, too, like, shouldn't this just be kind of natural? Shouldn't this be all the time? It shouldn't make news about prayer. There was also something really important during this time, too, that, that made a lot of social media, that there was a, an ESPN reporter, we're going to play a video here in a second, but it took a lot of courage, if you saw that video, for him to live on air on ESPN to stop and to ask to just pray for this guy named Hamlin. So I want to pr- play this for you. This ESPN reporter, I too believe in the power of prayer. And I think there's something innate within us, right? Especially as Christians, as followers of Christ, to know, it's just, it's just within us to know that there is power in our prayers. That, that God, He hears our prayers. We talked about like last week that prayer is just talking to God. Like, he really doesn't have a large ear, but it's like God has this really large ear and he hears all of our prayers, right? But God wants to hear from us. It's a relation, a relationship. So this guy, he took a lot of courage to do that. And in my heart, and I also believe in the power of prayer, but my heart for True Life Community Church for this upcoming year is that we would have a, a big impact on our community, that people would see the light of Christ, that God would, would gift us with a larger facility because we, we need that, especially there are a lot of times that our children's space is just is packed to the brims. Let's praise God for that. But I also believe that God's not going to do these things unless we are praying, unless we are praying as a church and collectively and individually. And so that's why I really felt led this week in January to be focused specifically on, on prayer and there's no wrong way to pray. I'm not going to say that. But there are some things and principles that we can learn in the Bible, the way that Jesus teaches us to pray and how he prays, that we can learn also how to mimic those things because we are disciples of Christ. We want to be like Christ. We want the heart of Christ. We want his will and his priorities to be our will and our priorities. And so that is important. Next month through February, I've picked Thursday evening. A lot of you can't be here. Some of you can be. I believe it's 7 to 7.45. Meet here to just pray and just ask God to move uh, within our hearts and, and within our community. So if you would, turn with me. We're going to be looking at John chapter 17, and this is called the High Priestly Prayer. And this prayer that Jesus prayed to his Father who is in heaven was prior to him being betrayed by Judas and being arrested, going to trial, falsely accused, and going to the cross for you and I. And so this is right before that happens that Jesus prays this high priestly prayer. And what I want you to do, again, I want to emphasize this, and we're going to be going through some of these verses, so you need to stand up and do some jumping jacks or get some coffee. We're going to go through this, going to go through it a little, little quicker if we can, but just, just what I want to ask you to do is just focus in, um, turn your, your cell phone on silent if you need to, let's just focus in and try to listen to Christ's heart as he prays to his, his Father. Um, and so I want to say, like, Christ's heart, we want to hear that, and I'm not saying, like, it's not okay to pray 
for someone who's sick or to do those things. Those things are important. We're going to cover those in a little bit. But I really want to focus in on the high, the, the most important things that Christ is focused on as well. So what we're going to see in these verses, first thing I want to point out is anything in yellow, I've kind of highlighted those in yellow, is anything that Jesus talks about glorifying God. He, talk, he prays a lot about that. He talks a lot about that in his prayer to his Father about glorifying God, his Father. And then Jesus prays, and I, at least I see in the context, that he prays for believers, his followers of Christ, and then he also prays for unbelievers. So I'm going to group it up into that a little bit. So yellow, glorifying God, the underlined parts are where he, believe, where he prays for believers, and then the purple part is where he believes for, prays for unbelievers. So, verse 1 through 4, let's go through that. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven. And I want to pause there just for a moment. Like when I pray, I put my hands together and I kind of close my eyes and look down, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just kind of how we do it in the Western world, right? And again, nothing wrong with that. But here you see Jesus, he says he lifts his eyes up into heaven. He lifts his eyes up into heaven and he prays to his Father. So I just wanted to point that out. Like there's, just because you don't close your eyes and look down and clasp your hand together, like that's nothing wrong with that. Like Jesus here, he's looking up into heaven. And we're setting the scene here on how Jesus has physically presented himself to, to pray to the Father. And he said this, Father... The hour has come, he's talking about he's going to the cross, right? He says, glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you had given him. And this is eternal life that they know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And he says again, I glorify you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. So one must ask the question then, what do we do to glorify God? If, if Christ is talking so much in the very beginning to glorify God, what do you and I have to do to glorify God? I want to think of it in terms of like loving someone. How, how do you love someone? I always tell people when I marry them to try to outserve the other person. So serving is part of that. Christ came to earth to serve his Father, to do his Father's will. So serving and loving Putting someone else first, that is glorifying, praising, appreciating, serving, and pleasing. That is glorifying someone. In verse 4, we saw there about how Jesus said, accomplishing the work that you've given me to do. And so there's this serving part. Like Christ came to serve everyone, to be underneath everyone. And as Christians, we are to serve God and to serve others, to put everyone else's interests ahead of our own. But to glorify God is to, to love Him, to seek out His interests first, to appreciate Him, and to, to praise Him. And so here in the beginning, Jesus is saying, God, my Father who is in heaven, I want you to be glorified. I want you to be glorified in what I'm doing. I want you to be glorified in everything that's going on. So if you love someone, you will glorify them. Did you know that you and I are made to worship? We're made to worship. And I will say this, like, in your life, if you, if you don't worship God, you, you are worshiping something else. We're, we worship, that's what we do. You will worship something else. 
So here I want to look at verse 9 through 19. Stick with me here. Look for the underlying things. Think about the things that Jesus prayed for not only his followers at that time, but for you and I today. To see what Jesus' heart is when he prays to his Father. What is he praying for you? And what is he praying specifically for me? And so I'm going to jump down to verse 9. It says, I am praying for them. That's believers. I'm not praying for the world, but for those who you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Do you ever think that Christ is glorified in you and I as believers? Verse 11, it says, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name. That's the first underline there. Keep them in your name. So here he's praying for you and I that we would continue following Jesus. You would keep them, that they would continue, that they would stay. So Jesus' prayer for you today is that you would stay and that you would continue. Keep in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one. That they may be one, that they may be kept together like we are here together today, worshiping. That's a lot of what I pray for at True Life Community Church is for unity, for oneness, for wholeness. That we would be one body working together. That we would be one. And he says, even as we are one, which the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. Verse 12 says, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the, spirit might, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled. So that's another prayer for you, that Christ pray. His heart is for you and I, that our joy would be fulfilled. Anyone not feeling joyful today? Christ's prayer and his heart and his desire is that you would be joyful. I have given them, verse 14, your word and the, the world has hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. I do not ask that you take them out of this world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Kind of sounds like the Lord's Prayer, right? Verse 16, they are not of this world just as I am not of this world. 17, sanctify them is another prayer of Jesus for you and I. It says, in the truth. And it says, your word is the truth. So the Bible is the truth. Sanctify them. Help them to grow to be more like Christ. Through your word. Sanctify. Sanctify them. Verse 19, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sakes I conserve your, I consecrate myself, giving themselves up for sacrifice, and that they also may be sanctified in truth. So I ask the question, when is the last time that, that we as a church or we individually have prayed for one another that way? To say, Lord, help my fellow brother and sister in Christ, be sanctified in your truth, to, to keep them from the schemes of the enemy, to give them joy that their joy may be complete, to keep them in your name, to keep them on the mission that Christ has given us, to strengthen them, and for us as a church to be one, 
This is the heart of Christ. Verse 20, it goes into the unbeliever. I do not ask these of these for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. When's the last time we've prayed for an unbeliever? That they would come to believe in the Father and the Son. And you may say, well, why would I even pray that? The verse here, what Jesus is saying is clear. For those that come to believe in the Father and the Son, it ultimately glorifies God. It glorifies our Father. That through other believers that the world comes to know Christ. And as people come to know Christ, it glorifies, it gives glory to our Father. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells a story to some religious people because they were really upset that he was hanging out with sinners. You know, there were a lot of rules and a lot of things you couldn't or shouldn't do back then. And Jesus was hanging out with tax collectors and all kinds of different people that they just despised. And Jesus told a story to those religious people. He said, basically, imagine if you're a shepherd and you have a hundred sheep. And one of those sheep runs away. He said, wouldn't you leave the 99 sheep to go find that one sheep? And when you find that one sheep, you throw it over your shoulder and you walk back into town and you're celebrating and you're rejoicing that you found the sheep and everyone around you rejoices because you found the one sheep. And Jesus says, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 who needs no repentance. So Christ's heart is for the unbeliever. Verse 24, skipping down there. And I want you to hear this this morning. This is Christ's heart for you. He says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, or, or will give me, may be with me where I am in heaven to see my glory that you have given me. God's, Jesus' heart and his desire is that you would be with him in heaven. That you would see his full glory. Full glory. And in verse 26 it says, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. And here, Christ is saying that in the Holy Trinity, there is perfect love. Perfect love. My desire is for them, for all of us, to be, for them to be with me in heaven, to experience my glory, and to be the center of God's love that, we have had, that they've had for eternity, to be in the center of that, to experience Christ's glory and God's love for eternity. That's what it's all about. That's what, that's what Christ is talking about. Saying since the beginning, from, from, from Adam and Eve, like that was broken, and God desires for that to be restored, for, for Him, that He is perfect love. He, what, he has the best interest for you. Like He desires for that to be restored. 
Anyone ever hear of a chiasm? Chiasm? So a chiasm is the way that, um, it's a, kind of a way to write things out, right? And I'll give, I'll give you an example. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. So the, the, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. You see how it went, the going gets tough, and then it starts over from the end. The tough get going, and it reverses it. So it's kind of like A, B, and then B, A. Does that make sense? So it's like a, an idea, A, B, and then it repeats the B and the A. Sometimes things in the Bible, especially in Psalms, you can see um, this way that the authors wrote things out. It's kind of a, a way of formulating things. It's a way of exploring God's Word. It's a way of teaching and repeating. It's a chiasm. You can look that up, C-H-A-I-S-M, chiasm. And you can see that within the Scriptures, right? A point, point, and sometimes there may be an, uh, an X, a point in the middle, um, a kind of a main point, and then it repeats the last point and the first point. So I kind of could see a chiasm here in John 17. So if you look at the, the first point about glorifying God, and you look at the last point, and they're kind of the same, and you fold them together, they come together, and here Christ, in, in my view, here he was saying the last verse is how we glorify God. It says, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So to glorify God is to make his name known so that others would know the love of God. For God so loved the world, right? That he gave his only begotten son. And here I believe that Christ is laying that out in a chiasm. A chiasm. So I want you to know today that this world is temporary as much as we don't want it to be and that God loves you. He, he wants to be, spend eternity with you. He wants to be glorified. He wants to show you his love. And I know this world is broken and it's not always fair. But that God works all things for good for those that love him and serve him. He has your best interests at heart. He does love you. And he wants to spend eternity with you. <clears throat> so back to last week. So Martin Luther, he would always ask questions when he read through the scripture. And the first question he would always ask is, how is this truth leading me to praise God? And he would write them all down, right? Our Father, last time we talked about our Father. Well, what are these principles of the Father that we can praise Him? That He's providing, that He's loving, that He gives to us. He wants the best for us. He's there for us. You know, those sort of things that we can praise God about. We write those down. And the second thing he said was, what sins do I need to confess about those? Well, I'm not living my life like God is my Father. I need to confess that to Him. Like, I don't trust Him. I don't talk to Him. Confess those things. And then he would say, what do I need to ask God for? Well, Lord, help me to see you and, and act as if you're my Father who loves me. And I came up with this acronym last week, maybe Pujols could again. Maybe he could come back next year. Maybe Pujols could again. You're like, what's up with this guy in sports? 
Maybe Pujols could again, right? The, the M is to meditate. Like we read some scripture and we just stop and we just focus and we meditate on that scripture. The P in Pujols is you praise God. Well, based on these concepts and the things that we meditate on, we just praise God based on those truths in the Bible. And then we confess to see. We confess to the things we're not living our lives And then we ask God to help us in those areas. We pray. We pray. We can look at John chapter 17 about glorifying God. We can meditate on that. Like how how are we not living our life to glorify God? How are we not loving him? How are we not serving him? How are we not making him part of our lives daily? We can confess that to him and then we can ask God, say, God, help me. Help me to live my life that way. That's how we can look at prayer. So I have an illustration here. Hope this turns out okay. Aldi's bag. Man, it's probably like, that's probably where all my ingredients went that I was looking for. So we have the groceries here. And I did get this out of the cabinet, so remind me to take this back home. We'll probably need them at some point. But I was just thinking of this idea about a bag full of things. And the things in here represent our prayers, right? So I might pray for that promotion. And these things that we pray for, they're not bad. I'm not saying that they're a bad thing at all. God wants to hear our prayers. But maybe this is representation of a promotion that I want at work and my health. I had some issues I want God to take care of. And what are some other things we might ask God for? Anyone, any ideas? Leave me hanging. Children. Yeah, sure, children or, you know, someone's in the hospital that needs, you know, needs and different things like that. Like that's in our life that we, we ask God for. And these are things that I ask and pray for God about as well. And these things are fine. But I wonder if that's kind of all that we do if we're missing the bigger point. That maybe our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. To God, help me to glorify you in all that I do. Help me to know you and serve you and love you and you, you be everything in my life. Like I want to know you on a personal level. I, I want to be able to talk to you. I want, I want you to get the glory that was Christ's heart first. He teaches us how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hollow, holy be your name. That God ultimately and foremost and in front of everything, he wants you to love him with all, his, all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That he just wants a relationship with you. But that's the, the big thing sometimes that I miss and that we miss. And you say, well, well, why then would I even ask for these things? Because the Bible says that God knows everything that we need before we even ask. So why would we ask? Well, ultimately, God wants you to ask because he wants to spend time with you. He loves you. He, he ultimately wants to provide everything that you want. He wants to align your will with his will. He wants to spend time with you. He wants you to know his heart. 
And maybe, maybe God would, maybe God does answer it sometimes. And if it's his will and other times that this takes 20 times longer than we ever thought that God would take to answer it. But ultimately, God wants for you and I to have the desires of our heart. Luke 11, we were in this last week. I'm going to read this last part of that, 11 through 13. It says, What father amongst you, if your son asks for a fish, would instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So God wants to give you the desires of your heart. If it, some, It's his timing, it's his will. Sometimes he gives us, sometimes he doesn't. If we look at it, look at it as like our Father, he wants the best for us. Sometimes he gives, sometimes he doesn't. But ultimately God wants you to glorify him, and to have a relationship with him. Jesus' prayer is that people would know God and know himself, because that is eternal life. He desires for you to know the perfect love that he has between himself and the Father. He desires for you to be with him in heaven. Because it ultimately all of that glorifies the Father. And I want to say, if, if we see ourselves as more important than God, and, and we see ourselves as more important than others, so made to do, like, this one way we glorify God is serving Him and serving others. Is I, I feel like, and, and I fall in this trap too, it's very selfish. And we could very well find ourselves on a wide road that leads to destruction. Because God says, love me, serve me, serve others. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And just like the ESPN guy, there is power in prayer. You can pray to God that I want to know you. I want to, I want to know you today on a personal level. That I, I know my sins separate me from you because you are holy. Lord, I want to glorify you and I want to know you and I want to know your son Jesus. And he will answer that prayer. And you know why? Because it glorifies him. It glorifies him. You can do that today. Church, let us pray. I want to pray for that. I want to pray for you and our church. And I want to pray for the unbelievers, just as Christ. Lord, I lift you up uh, everyone here today and lift up our community to you. And Lord, thank you for your word as, as you sanctify, as you grow as more like Christ because of your word. Thank you, Lord, for the high priestly prayer that we have record of that. We can, it is your word, and we can go through that and just see the heart of your son, Jesus. Lord, I, I would ask that we would glorify you, we would praise you for who you are, and Lord, I ask that you would forgive us for those things that we don't do, that we don't pray for one another. 
to ask for us to be one and to, to keep us. Lord, I pray that you would do that. You would keep us and you would give us joy. Our joy would be made complete. That, Lord, you would help us to glorify you. That you would keep us from the enemy. And, Lord, I pray for those that the Father has not given us yet. I pray that, Lord, that he would do that. And, Lord, that we would love on them and love on our community and love of those that are in our work. And they would see the light of Christ. And they would come to know you and your son, Jesus. And it would ultimately bring you more glory. Because, Lord, you are worthy of all the glory and all of the honor. Lord, help us to seek you first and your kingdom, and you say you will add all these things to us. We don't have to worry. Thank you that you're a heavenly Father that loves us. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you we can come together and worship and honor you. Lord, we are going to praise something. So, Lord, help us work in our hearts to praise you and only you. God's people, all God's people said.